0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we sat down with Master Sommelier Andy McNamara. We brought him on to talk about his cage wines, his work with Papa's Pillar, and moving into the distribution side of things. This is our 100th episode, so we thought we'd bring on one of our friends to help us celebrate. We hope that you enjoy the show just as much as we enjoyed doing it. Don't forget, right now, click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Cheers.
0: Welcome back. Cheers. the second time that that's ever happened. happened. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't happen again. Well, it's funny. Yeah. As that's as that's we fun. go, everything is uh, live. We don't, you know, uh, pre-record anything. We don't script anything. We don't edit anything. And it sucks when you get going on a podcast and it's like, all right, well, we have to do that again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can just blame me. It's a, okay. That's just a blame a real me. a little bummer.
2: Here, well, scoot in this way a little bit. All
0: right, well... Again, welcome. Thank you for coming Thank in you. today. As we were talking about a second ago, you are a very busy man. Uh, you are all over the place doing all sorts of fun and crazy things, and uh, it's an honor to have a little bit of your time today.
1: No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's always a whirlwind. I feel like every minute of every day I'm doing all of the jobs.
2: Your calendar must look crazy.
1: Uh, it is very crazy between myself and Emily, we uh, we have to go through calendars pretty frequently just to make sure that we're not overlapping or, you know, we've got kids, so yeah. we've got to make sure that, that somebody's there. Yep. Uh, yeah, and she's gotten busier and I've gotten busier and, and uh, it's just the way it goes. It's okay.
2: And again, you've you know you've done multi facets parts of this business, right? Now yeah. you're the now you're the distributor, right?
1: Well, distributor, importer, Porter. creator, crafter. <laughs> uh, we're we're getting in the export business as well. Oh. So it's uh, yeah, just because we didn't have enough to do, uh, <laughs> we're looking at broadening distribution to other states too. So oh wow, it's oh well, you know, we're. Uh, we figured that we didn't want to be bored for the next 30 years, and <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'd fit it all in now. Can
2: I ask where you're, you're going to export to?
1: Uh, we've got some spots in the Caribbean that we're looking cool. at. Yeah, just some of our suppliers uh, really have some good connections in places, and it's just easier to bring it into the U.S. or use from the U.S. and, and go to some spots. So awesome. uh, very, very happy with that. So on your side of things, just as like a little sidebar
0: here, because we're seeing so much um, issue with bringing things in. And now that you're on that side, I mean, you're on the front line. Are you having a rough time with that? I mean, specifically France, right? It's kind of been a nightmare. It's
1: not just France. It's everybody. It's everybody everywhere. We've been fortunate. uh, The containers that we're just bringing in right now have probably a two-month less lead time than they did, but they're also 50% more expensive. And it's very, very, very difficult. Uh, Shipping went anywhere from, it used to be about $7,000 for a 40 foot reefer container that would hold about 20 pallets. Now it's upwards of 19,000 for that same container. And it's, uh, you're seeing it.
2: And you know, uh, customers are seeing it too. I mean, we're having to raise prices so you know uh, and sometimes it's sometimes it's just a smidge but then sometimes it's you know quite a bit like maybe four or five dollars
1: it's to me it's it's partly shipping but the other piece of it is is because we've had some very short vintages in the last few years mm. you're seeing land prices lease prices and great prices going through the roof uh just really insane and and one of the hardest hit areas is, is one of the wines we're drinking burgundy um, that seemed, uh, lease prices double each of the last two years. So it's, it's just, it's, it's not getting better. Uh, but hopefully we'll get some good harvest and some good crops and it'll help.
2: Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, gosh, man, I hope we can get past these vintages of really like the burgundy yeah. vintage of frost and the fire vintages of, you know, both Australia and, you know, yeah. uh, well speaking
0: of right now i mean the world seems to be on fire but what's going on in france have either of you been following along i know
2: the fires in bordeaux i mean they're
0: about 40 miles out of bordeaux right i wonder how that i i guess it's probably too early to see how it's affecting things but 40 miles is not that far uh especially when you are talking about if you get a wind that's blowing in some of that smoke i mean that's Mm -hmm. you know it could be rough
1: So what we've heard, we talked to uh, one of our contacts in Bordeaux actually yesterday, who said that the winds so far have been blowing west to east, so the smoke has stayed away to this point, but it's still close enough that it's a little scary. I mean, it's from what we could tell uh, when we were over there uh, a couple weeks ago is that the crops look beautiful and healthy uh it's just a question of can we mitigate the other things right now Mm -hmm. that's tough
0: that's we were talking to Bo barrett uh a couple weeks ago and he was saying as that smoke was uh coming across it was almost like it was messing with you because the grapes look beautiful you can pick them they taste Taste right and you don't notice it until it gets to fermentation then this the smoke taint just kind of you know shows up yeah so and, anyway, that's it. And, a... <laughs> and let's not... And, and
2: also, don't chase the wine, you know, because once it's got smoke in it, you know, he said you could spend money, like, you're trying to fix something, but it's just worthless. Don't do it, yeah.
0: so... Stuff. Um, that's a, a hard side of the uh, the industry that a lot of people don't think about, right? I mean... And I
2: think that's going to... You know, you have Cage wines. You have, you know, the, uh, you know, Go You have all these wines that you represent and help you blend and work on together yeah. and uh, with... Uh, you have friends, and I just wanted to, you know, that's, you know, I mean, you got to skip vintages, right? If you have that. Oh situation. yeah,
1: we've absolutely had to do it. It's uh, so the GOSOM here is 2018. The next Napa Valley Gosam will be 2021, oh. and it'll be a significantly wow. reduced quantity uh we're fortunate that we did get a little bit in the chardonnay business and that's been a bit more consistent we're getting in the pinot noir game as well so we'll have cage pinot noir coming Uh, but for cage napa valley cabernet we don't have another vintage in the works right now wow uh, which is pretty amazing but it's, it's allowed us to do what the original plan was, which was to go around the globe and look for our partners around the globe and our friends around the globe and work with them to craft wines. So we've got Bordeaux, we've got Toro, uh, we've got Barolo, Bar, uh, Barbera, we've got Chianti, Tuscany. We're working with a lot of different producers now to make wines that fit our style, that bring great value, that can help bridge some of that gap from what was originally the Napa Valley projects. Now we're, we're looking at what we really intended to do overall all so it's it's kind of been a not a blessing in disguise because we would still really love to have these wines it's just we're not going to force the wine if the wine isn't there if it's not great, if it's not what we deem to, to, to be what we want it to be, we're not going to make it.
0: Nor should you. No. And that's yeah. going to be the, the trademark of a great company and a great line when people can trust the product across the board. No, you're not putting out something because you have to, right?
2: Yeah. That's, and that's, well, your name's on it. I mean, these exactly. are all going to be cage or ghost song ones, exactly. right? Exactly. The Barolos and the Barberas and all that stuff, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm I'm the only public ghost song. <laughs> uh, I'm the A in, in cage. So it's yeah, kind <laughs> My distributor is Ace. I'm the A and Ace. It's kind of it's kind of a big deal. I kind of put my my name on it all the time. So it's okay. It's got to look good. It's got lo- to got to be good. It's got to. It, to me, it can't just be good. It's got to be what we set out for it to mm. be, which was a typical representation that provides value and extreme quality. Mm. And that's what we're always looking for. And if it doesn't hit that, we'd rather not do it.
2: Yeah, I get excited when uh, you tell us. Oh, here's the next project, and here I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool, you know. You got Toro coming in. You got, and uh, of course, oh. we talk about Saint. Saint Julian for a long time, right? Saint
1: Julian, that's on hold for right now, but Saint Emilion or oh. not Saint Emilion, uh, Pesiglian is is on is, the way. Is, is on that's the way. yeah, and that's we're real happy with that. That's cool. going to be beautiful. Some twenty sixteen, uh, so we prefer to deal with with slightly older wines that can go on restaurant wine lists. can be a little bit more in the forefront. We'll have some twenty eighteen vintage of that, some twenty nineteen, and then we'll have some twenty twenty Bordeaux Blanc, some Pessiglieon Blanc. Oh wow! Uh, as well that's that's I love cool the idea of chateau cage chateau cage
0: <laughs> is that how you're going to be uh promoting it or is it just going to be the same cage label it's the
1: same label as you can see we do the napa valley's blue chardonnay's white we just had a discussion today about the pinot noir which will be kind of a bright red juicy mm-hmm. style of label we want the label to sort of match the type of the, really the flavor profile that we have in here. Okay. So when you see our, our Chianti Classico Reserva, it will be more of like a Tuscan red, orange type mm. label. Toro will be green. Uh, hmm. Just just for us, kind of the things that we, when we taste the wine, just the flavors and the ideas of what we're of what we of what we're getting. What we're getting. Yeah. yeah.
2: This uh, wine here, this double zero. Yeah. I, I was so intrigued when I tasted it this week and had to
1: buy it, um,
2: and it's it's really a Chardonnay produced very differently,
1: correct? Correct, it's a Chardonnay that's produced differently, but it's from a company and from uh, a husband and wife that believe that Chardonnay, especially in specific soils in, in the Willamette Valley, is is the is the loss varietal that that there's a lot of pinot noir in Oregon that's very very good, uh, but there's a lot of pinot noir that's that's starting to taste the same. And I've been looking at Chardonnay in Oregon for about five or six years and noticed that the quality overall of Chardonnay was was getting to a point where it was just top notch. They were different, they spoke about the terroir, they spoke about the place. And, and when you have somebody that has this, this, uh, this attention to detail the relationships so uh, that they have uh... i mean he was he was one of the land broker lawyers uh... for all the french that came into the land valley in in the nineteen eighties <laughs> and nineteen nineties <1990s>, and, <laughs> and 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 they saw something there and he helped them with that and then he got to to be good friends with dominique lafon and and uh, the great merceau producer uh... and his daughter dominique's daughter was actually a consultant winemaker for the first couple of vintages that they had uh, and just really extraordinary Lean, lazy, pretty Chardonnay. It's not Burgundy at all, Mm-mm. because there's a ripeness to it and a prettiness to it. Uh, but they focus on Chardonnay, mm-hmm. and and that to me is what makes these wines just so amazing. It was
2: so interesting when I tasted it. It was like something that I'd never tasted before. Yeah, you know. So I was really like, you know, my palate was, you know, was like, so wow, what is this? I want to, I want to show people these wines. And these wines need to be like you know hand sold and edu- give people education about you know don't keep drinking the same old butter cream the yeah. same old you know just try something that's outside the box this is and it's not you know it's not an everyday drinker it's not in that price no. range but it is for somebody who really wants to reach out and try something special and new
1: yeah. And I mean, I, we drink a lot of Chardonnay. I love Chardonnay. I think it's one of the most region and, and vineyard specific varietals that we have out there, provided you don't over manipulate it. Mm-hmm. And what I like about Double Zero is they don't manipulate it at all is they're, they're taking the, the, the grapes, they're taking what they know is pure and clean, and doing a very Burgundian style of, of, of working with the wine, of you make the wine in the vineyard, and then you just try not to screw it up when sure it comes it in the winery. Uh, so minimal use of brand new oak. Um, they've got a number of different cuvées, and, and they love the wine so much that they're, they actually do make some Corton Charlemagne in, in, in Burgundy as well. They do a Grand Cru Blanc de Blanc Champagne, Uh, So they are Chardonnay fanatics. Mm. The thing that's interesting is is, is people think Oregon and Pinot Noir. And so the demand for the Pinot Noir is very high. The Chardonnay is just starting to come into its own. Mm. But when people taste it, it's like the reaction you had where they just get blown away because they've not had anything like it before. Mm. And the VGW that we have here, very good white, is the entry level. And once you get, once you start getting even higher up, it's, they refer to this as, as almost their village level wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pliny Mont Rocher, Chasson Mont Rocher, uh, and then their next level, extremely good white, is where you start looking at Premier Cru or comparison to that. Again, I don't think it tastes like Burgundy, so I'm not going to say it's Burgundy. Yeah. It tastes like Oregon Chardonnay, but I, I understand what they're trying to do. The quality levels are, are just really spot on. I yeah. love
0: that, and I love Chardonnay, like to your point, uh, it's very site-specific. Uh, I've always said, it, one of my favorite things in the industry has always been uh, putting people the Chardonnay who think that they don't like Chardonnay. That's, to me, that is uh, one of my absolute favorite things to do. You're looking for something with uh, nice minerality, nice crispness, nice freshness to it. You can get that in Chardonnay. You can also get that big butter bomb California-driven Chardonnay, but that seems to have its name now in the industry. But you can also find... It's one of the most expressive grapes to me in my the way I look at it. And uh, I think you can get great Chardonnays from... All around, you know, different areas of the world, but I love the Oregon Chardonnay. I think that you're getting a lot of beautiful expressions of there. See, I do, um, obviously, your palate's a little bit better than mine, but uh, I do get a lot of Burgundian style in uh, Oregon. I get some of that. Oh,
1: Um, and I'm not saying that that it's not in that vein. I just get something different out of Oregon Chardonnay than I do out of Burgundy. And uh, to me, it does a little disservice to Oregon. By I don't like comparing regions mm. to regions. Sure, you don't go to Burgundy and hear someone saying this oh. is an, or- this yeah, is it's an Oregon, great Oregon Chardonnay. Style, right? No, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's 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 in one sense, it's incredibly. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's just such a compliment uh, because once you've hit that that rock star status of everyone starts comparing their wines to your region, that's fine. Uh, but I think Oregon is, especially with Chardonnay, is developing. It's, it's just a really different path, and uh, you're seeing Pinot Noir vines being ripped up and planted to Chardonnay. Really? And, and, yeah. Wow. I think that says a lot. When we were there, they
2: were telling us they were ripping up Pinot Gris to yeah. plant Chardonnay. Yeah. And there was some Gamay being planted there, and um,
0: still not seeing a lot of that. I mean, we got some. It's there. We've got a it's couple. There.
2: A couple producers bringing in some of the Gamay from that yeah. area. But um, so as far as now, y- y- you've got your, you know, you, I mean, you're, you've got your wine, but you're also blending some liquor too, right? And
1: That's a whole separate project. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got involved with, uh, very fortunate to get involved with Papa's Pilar, uh Rum, uh, Hemingway Rum Company mm-hmm. uh, that uh, they've actually partnered with Ernest Hemingway's family. Uh, because just the connection with Ernest Hemingway Rum. We have a distillery in Key West. um, But they brought me on to to do some blending uh, of what we're going to create, some high-end sipping rums, some things that are a bit different uh, that haven't really been done out there. So I sourced some some unique barrels from around the world to finish our rums in and and just trying to enhance particular flavor profiles. And it's a fun project. It's a lot of fun. I
2: mean, are you talking about like 25 cases per...
1: No, it's uh, it's, it's or? no, it's more than that. But we do we sometimes we do that. We'll do some test barrels on some things, and if the quality of that specific barrel is high enough, we'll we'll take it. We'll send it down to Key West, and and they'll bottle it just for a very special small release down there mm-hmm. that you can only buy at, uh, at 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 the at the distillery in the shop in Key West. Can't, you
2: can't buy it on their website. No, and it no. Shipped to you. Yep, it's there. It's <laughs> Key West,
1: and, and and there's a lot of fun. stuff stuff like that and mm-hmm. and we do some really I think we're doing some things we can't talk about them but right. we're doing some things that I haven't seen others do mm. and we're able to do it both because yes we're growing we're we're, we're not a tiny company uh, but we're nimble enough to be able to look at small batch small production and and try to take that and scale it to a degree once we find something that we think is perfect and it's getting that really perfect match of flavors. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting. For me, it's it's not all that different than blending wine and looking for particular features in wine. Uh, I kind of have a visual about how I like things to look and how I where I think something should go. Uh, and as long as you're filling in these boxes, as long as you're filling in these different things, you're gonna end up with something really fantastic. It's just figuring out what the particular blends are, what the particular percentages are, when to use this barrel and this barrel and in what percentages. Do we do we water down just a little bit to, not, to make it not quite so hot or do we want it to be cast strength? Do we want it to be barrel strength? Um, which rums, honestly, some rums can get real hot. You can get 130, 136 proof. In some barrels, that uh, yeah, they're a little tough to taste. Uh, but but as long as you can, as long as you know what it's going to turn into once you blend it or once you do something to it, it's it's a really cool thing.
2: Is it harder to blend liquor than it is to blend wine, or is there is there one is one harder than the other? I
1: th- I think with wine, you have what you have. You have a certain mm. uh, color palette that you can work with. What, to me, what's interesting about the rum palette, if you will, is that I don't have a palette. I can go out and find something, find a barrel that I think we should be using. We'll buy it. We'll test it. We'll age some rum in it, see what happens to it. And it, there, there's not this limit of, well, you only have this to work with, whereas that's the case with, with, with wine. wine. Is you've got vineyard sites. You've got sources. You've got all of that. And it's... For the kind of wines that we're making, we want site-specific, we want place-specific. With rum, we want place-specific, we want site-specific, but we can finish it in different ways. We can do some different things to it that we can't necessarily do with wine.
0: So let me ask just for uh, my curiosity, um, whenever you're, you're trying these different barrels, this is going to have to sit on those barrels for a little bit to kind of get the flavor profile how are you making that happen and how are you getting the flavor from that in a quick way for you to make a a judgment call on this is what i'm looking for out of this barrel
1: it's a good question it is it doesn't take that long to start extracting flavor out of a barrel and the barrels we're using are uh, they come from a wide variety of places Mm -hmm. we're We've got some American oak, we've got some French oak, but there's more to it than just the kind of oak. I can't say where we're getting our barrels Uh from and and specifically what their uses are, what they may have been. Uh, But it actually doesn't take that long. And you can get a good idea... Uh, about what it's going to turn into in a short period of time, but with that we also taste, and it's not necessarily me. Uh, our 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 master distiller and master blender is is an uh, just an industry legend and an industry icon. Mm. Uh, who he was at Jim Beam for years and Cruzan Rum, a number of different places, oh. and the guys are just just a genius and he he has an idea about how things are going to go, but with this project, with my knowledge of, of barrels and with my knowledge of flavors, we're kind of blending our two expertise and, and, and able to do that. He will taste every week if we need to. Uh, I'll go up again. I was just up there on Tuesday, did some good blends. I'll go up again next month because there were some things that we thought were starting to finish, that have been in barrel for a little bit that we didn't want to. We didn't want them to go too far. Okay. Uh, sometimes we have things that go too far, and you just you learn from it, and you just you don't use it uh, because that that can happen, and it can happen really quickly. So you've got to taste, and once you think it's starting to finish, you've got to really taste it, and it's it's uh, it's a different it's a different thing. We don't have to worry about temperatures. We you sure. know, the the our, our barrel room is warm, and and that does help extract more flavors out of the wood. Right? Uh, does the
0: higher alcohol?
1: Yeah, the higher alcohol helps. You know, all of those different things help. We're sure. generally not dealing with. Whereas wine, you want the barrels filled to the very top, mm-hmm. because if you don't, then you get oxidation. You get all kind. Of, you can get all kinds of nastiness that you don't want. Mm-hmm. With spirits, it's not quite the same because you're dealing with such a high proof you don't have to worry about exactly the same types of things
0: it's already cooked off it's 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 gone
1: it's kind of it's 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 kind of it's you can mess it up and there are things that can happen to it sure uh but as long as you're monitoring it and you don't let it go too far if you start with a clean product and you start with a clean barrel you don't have a huge amount to worry about from my perspective
0: so I would imagine it's uh, very similar in the way of well maybe not if you you're saying that but uh, with the wine right obviously with barrel sizing uh, you're going to get more flavor or less flavor depending mm-hmm. on the barrel and the fill is that going to be similar in the way of whiskey or or rum or any other spirit that you're trying to pull flavor from
1: yeah it it, it obviously is that way but we don't play around with barrel sizes in that way okay we. Can't reveal more. No, I got you. Yeah. I understand. We're not asking you. But to. I'll just say, yeah, we 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 use what we we use the appropriate barrel sizes. Okay, I'll just say that when Fair. it's
2: gone too far, like you said, some you know, got to taste it. You got to taste it, taste yeah. it. Then it goes too far. I mean, is too far like too much oak, too much alcohol, too much.
1: It's not the alcohol, because the alcohol doesn't really change, it's, the, it's, it's whatever the wood is going to do to the rum, you hit a point where it's no longer the rum, it's the barrel. It's the barrel, yeah, and, and that doesn't taste anything. No, and, and, and the, the use of the barrel is meant to be like salt and i Um, believe that that same thing with wine is that it's meant to be salt it's meant to be pepper you add a little bit to it to try to enhance the flavors that are already there and yeah you want to add some subtle nuances Mm. and do some different things but at the end you don't want to do too much and if you get too much on it it can just be overdone And it's, I mean, for me, the, the, the rum project is perfect because it's the same philosophies we have with our own wines as a distributor. It's the same philosophy I have with the producers that we, that we work with, uh, is that we want to taste where it's from. We want to taste the place. I don't want to taste the barrel. I want it. I want the barrel to be an enhancer. I want the wine to be made in the vineyard. And yeah.
0: I love that so much. That's a great uh, way to put it, adding salt to it, because that's the way I think of it. Uh, I haven't put it so uh, elegantly, but that's a beautiful way to think of it. I think that too much oak sometimes, uh, you know, in, in America, we kind of speak with our money, right? We speak with our oak in a lot of ways. And a lot of times people don't realize that that oak does cover up some flaws sometimes too. It, it does help that way as well. Um, so that's a, that's a great way to put it and, and speak about oak in that way. Just out of curiosity, and obviously I don't need specifics for what you guys are doing, but in terms of uh, I know how long you would age whiskey or how long you would age uh, wine, how does that uh, work with rum on barrel? Is it the same sort of time frame? Are you talking about years? Are you talking about months? Are you talking about weeks, hours?
1: I'll use my political... (laughs) Phrasing and say we age our rums for the appropriate amount of time. Okay, <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> fair enough. <laughs> using using that political speak that I learned. I, uh, okay. Yeah, just just to be uh, just to be politically correct. On okay. That. Yeah. Well, no, it, it, but that's part of the process that we do. Is is we won't reveal that because that that gives away a proprietary. Secret. Of
0: course, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. Good <laughs> <you, do> <laughs> try, I though. I, I guess I've never thought
0: about like how long you would age rum on a on a barrel before. Well, I, I had don't purchased
2: know. a rum a uh, rum that had been aged for I think it was twelve years. That's what it said. But then I found out recently that that only is a percentage of that. Like not like true Irish or or a uh, 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 scotch scotches. Right. You can only have to have a little small percentage has to be from that. So I don't. It tasted really good, but I don't know if I, you know, if I just thought, like I perceived that this was, you know, really good because it was 12 years old. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it, to me, it's one of those, it's, it's learning the producer and trusting the producer, just like you do with wine, is there, there are producers that produce really, really high quality, true to place, true to style, that don't try to fudge anything. It doesn't mean that they don't use those legalities to their advantage sometimes, but at the same time, if the producer is of super high quality, it doesn't matter whether it's six years or 12 years or whatever it may be, you know the quality's there. And mm-hmm. so to me at that point, it's I you know, great, I want to drink a 30-year-old rum, do you? It's uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those where where it's like Scotch. It's just because it's older doesn't necessarily make it better. No, and and it's uh, yeah. I mean, you can age rum in barrel for a long time, and it will get dark and rich, and you can do it. Can it will change based on location, barrel, everything, uh, and and it can be either a monster powerhouse or something that's elegant. And at the end of the day what what a lot of people want to do is just make a really good drinking rum mm-hmm. and it's do you want it in cocktails do you want it as a floater do you want it overproof do you want it to be something that is just sipping do you want it with an ice cube do you want it with just a drop of water those are all the things that we think about when we're blending rums is how are we going to drink this and it's we don't we don't craft the rum to be to be uh, drunk a certain way we let the rum tell us how we're going to drink it
2: well, I told you I was given a bottle of uh, Pilar for my uh, uh, for the holidays this year, and yeah. it was the white uh, clear rum. Yeah, the seven year. But man, I just put it on an ice cube and sipped it because I was doing like the keto thing, and I was like, hey, that's white. I can drink that. <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically,
1: that's the world's first blonde rum. Is it really? Yeah.
2: Well, it was delicious. Yeah. And I'm glad I still have three quarters of that bottle left. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you need to do better with that. Ed. <laughs> well, for it's the repair. it's Sorry? the it's the wine. It's yeah. the wine. You know that's, but uh yeah no I, I you know thank. now I know your hand was in it that's why I was so damn good
1: oh no my hand wasn't in that <laughs> this is, my, my 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 hand's in the expensive stuff oh. uh, yeah I taste all of these other things but but a lot of what we've done a lot of the projects we're working on haven't been released yet mm. it's 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 a relatively new project for me. kind of came out of covid for me as well uh and just the ability to do a lot of different projects uh without without having somebody else worry about what it is that i'm doing Mm -hmm. um so it's you know from starting the distributorship and the importer and doing all of these things it's led to so much freedom for me to be able to do fun stuff like that so that's awesome
2: i i didn't know do you want to talk about like where people, like just the Bay Area can find your stuff in any restaurants and like where they would, you know, besides our store. Yeah, you know, of course. Where, where, where else can they find some of your so stuff?
1: M- most of our stuff is uh, in restaurants. Mm-hmm. We do very, very, very little uh, retail. That's on purpose. Uh, we like to partner with very select retailers mm-hmm. that treat the wines and, and the brands the way that we know they can be. Uh, but places like Burns Steakhouse, uh, Roca uh, over in Tampa, uh, here in St. Pete, Rococo uh, mm-hmm. Steak does a lot of work. Linger, uh, we do a lot of work with them. Uh, and hey, gosh, Edison Food and Drink Lab, uh, just on and on. its yeah, good it's, spots, all
2: good spots. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah and we, we think they're pretty darn good good and we're really happy with the partnerships that we have uh and and it's been wonderful to be uh, embraced the way that we've been embraced we we're very happy we're continuing to expand we're continuing to add new brands that fit the profiles that were uh that we're after in the model that we've created uh we're really happy with the model we've created it seems to be working well uh we just added a couple sales people we're growing we're we're doing good things and um, the whole point is we want we want people we think people want to taste our wines and they want to they want to experience what it is that we have because. We think we've got some really amazing things in the portfolio from $8 dry ferment to, okay. you know, all the way up to hundreds, and in some cases over $1,000 a bottle. Some Tange. products, Tanya Philip Tanya. Yeah, I mean, come uh, on. I mean, our wines aren't cheap uh, or inexpensive, um, but lots of different things. Yeah. I mean, Philip Tanya Grace family, yeah. uh, Roberto Borrezzio out of Italy, uh, working with Caroline Parent, uh, a member of the Grove family in Burgundy, yeah. and, just, yeah, it's pretty, it's surreal.
0: Fun, kind of cool. It's fun. Yeah. So, to your point, your your wines aren't cheap, but they far over deliver for what they are. And I think that uh, your point of pairing with the right places, uh, the right restaurants, the right retailers, uh, I think that that goes a long way. And people are so quick to jump on board with you because they trust who you are and what you guys have done. Uh, for your whole career, and and these wines themselves really do speak for themselves. Uh, and I've I said it. I think I've told you. I've, I've said it a number of times. I have a lot of friends who are winemakers who we don't carry their wines. I love you, but you yeah. know it's it's hard to get behind certain things. And and you're a great guy, and and we're friends. But in terms of your wines, they speak for themselves. It's great to be able to show this to someone or send it off with someone who I know is maybe a big purchaser of Napa Cab or, or of Chardonnay and be able to say, okay, take this bottle. No, 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 no. Don't buy a couple. Take that one. Let me know what you think about it. And then they come back and, oh my God, what was that? What was the story on that again? Who was that? And that's, (laughs) that feels great. You know, that's a great thing. And, um, I didn't realize that you had a Pinot in the works. Can you talk about where that's from real quick before we wrap this up?
1: Yeah, that too is gonna be from the Russian River Valley. Uh, I can't speak from exactly where it's from. Mm -hmm. Uh, The alcohol on it is about 13.2, so it's a little bit more of a leaner style. Uh, the Chardonnay from 21 will be a little bit leaner, but very classic. There, we try to make wines both that we love to drink, but that we also think people love to drink. And and we drink our own wines. Trust me, we drink our own <laughs> wines. Uh, and 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 the Pinot we thought was a nice, just a nice addition. It'll be small. It's only 50 cases. Oh wow. Um, so just a tiny amount. And the Chardonnay in 20 in 21 will be. Sorry, uh, fifty-one cases, fifty cases as well. So, it's uh, just small quantities. So when we Two got them,
2: grab them, folks. Yeah, we got them because there's not a lot. You know, I mean, there is. There's times, too, and I think, you know, I was looking at, um, you know, Gosam on our shelves, and I'm like, you know, there's only like four bottles left. Yeah. And, you know, is there even any available to purchase because, you know, you have restaurants that really this is on their list now, right?
1: So- oh, yeah. I mean, all of these wines are we, we've been very careful about the the restaurants and wine shops we, we work with, uh, just knowing that it's rep- it's a representation of us and it's a representation of the brands and we don't want the wines to be everywhere. Because if they're everywhere then anybody can get them and it doesn't make any place unique. And so we, we work with people where they want something unique, they want something different, they want something that they can't get. And and that's those are a large percentage of the wines that we work with. And especially with Cage and Gosom, we make them in small quantities because we want them to be special. We want yeah. them to be different. Uh, and yeah. They sure hell are, man. They are the freaking greatest wines. I I love your stuff. We appreciate any
2: time you can take with us. And then uh, also we love when you come in with wine, just like you did today.
1: One of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten was from uh, a person who used to work for me. uh, And he said it a couple weeks ago. He sent me a text. And I had just called on an account. And he said, Andy, I can always tell when you've been here. And I said, well, why is that? he said because people can't speak because all they do is drink your wine. Uh. <laughs> That's like the best compliment yeah. I could ever get. So, yeah. It's well, great.
2: We appreciate your time. We know you're a busy man.
1: No, thank you guys so much. Thanks for everything yeah. and uh, cheers. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Cheers. cheers.